Well, joining me now on the phone is a good friend of mine, a good friend of the program, Lisa Druss. She's the founder and CEO of Strategic Consulting, and she's also a major, major factor behind what's called Our American Voice, which is a uh, program aimed at uh, educating students about civics. And I think anybody who's been uh, familiar with this show over the years knows that I've been a strong advocate for uh, teaching civics in school. Uh, I mean, it still amazes me that up until just relatively recently, it wasn't even mandated to be taught in schools. Now it is, and not only just in high school, but also uh, in middle school as well. So, uh, But, Lissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rick, and what a time for us to be talking about civics. Yeah, well, and I thought about that, too. I mean, because... um, civic engagement is that's that's how change happens and Uh, go ahead no it it has to happen early which is why our american voice it's a nonprofit program it's a before or after school program that teaches not just reading about civics it's not a government exam it's committing civics doing it learning about it and action items and acting on what needs to be done through the civic process. Yeah, and that's what I like about this is it's 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 getting uh students involved. Uh and and it's not just, you know, reading a history book or or memorizing dates and, and years and you know, Illinois, you know, prior to the mandate to teach civics, uh, really the only kind of mandate was that you had to pass a constitution test, which that's not the same thing. That's not the same. No, thing. it's not. And it's. I, I got to tell you, for the years that I've been involved with our American Voice, there is nothing more gratifying than going to a middle school and seeing kids come to school early, an hour early at times, for a volunteer program, where they go in, and what they do is in their communities they. With the, with the help of the teachers, and we, we would be nothing without the OAV teachers in this program. But they figure out a problem or an issue in their community or in their school through the civic process. They examine it and figure out what a solution is to that issue or problem, and then they solve it. And it's, it's incredible to see these kids coming to school. They want to do something, and they all are just so involved, and that's the key is getting them early because okay we all study the government but just doing it is another is another thing it's, it's just an amazing thing to see well give me an example of, of, a, of a problem that got solved so i'm going to give you a couple okay i'm going to back up a little bit every year we it's a year-long program and at the end we do a summit in chicago for the students who can't go to springfield but then we usually take about 200 students to springfield from 26 schools. So this year we had 26 schools. We had a summit plan for Springfield. It was May 14th, I believe. And with COVID-19, we had to cancel it. Now, first of all, you can imagine taking 200 kids to Springfield when the House and Senate are in session. It's like zone defense. (laughs) (laughs) But every senator and representative, every senator and representative for the last few years has met with their students that go to Springfield and including the governor, both Rauner and Pritzker, would take a big photo with the students on the Capitol steps. So you see these kids going to Springfield, meeting their senators and their reps. It was powerful. Well, this year with COVID-19, we 
changed it up. And so we started reaching out to every state rep and senator and saying, hey, you've got these students in your community. Would you consider doing, if the school could do it, would you consider doing a Zoom call with them? And as of, for 26 schools so far, we've done seven live Zoom calls with the students and the teachers, and we're recording more, we're doing more. Uh, If they couldn't do Zoom, they send messages to the students. Senator Durbin, for I don't know how many years in a row, sent a personal video message to all these students, but you talked about projects. So Senator John Curran, he was so wonderful. We had to reschedule him, not once, not twice, but three times. But his school and his district, Lester Elementary, they were doing a sensory pathway for students that have anxiety or excitement or just need a break, a brain break. And so they were, they met with an occupational therapist and they were planning this out because of COVID-19. They couldn't finish it this year. They're going to pick it up next year. Um, Senator um, Bill Cunningham at Central Middle School in Evergreen Park. There's a park down there that actually he helped get state funding for. Well, these students realized there was no way for the special needs kids to go to the park. So they started a fundraising drive to build this up. And not only did they get railed for COVID-19, so then they turned to TikTok and Twitter. And they actually have a GoFundMe page where teachers would do dances and sing and this and that to raise money for this program. And that's one school where actually both Senator Bill Cunningham and Representative Kelly Burke both did video conferences with their students. Um, And then Representative Denmer at Salmonac Middle School, they, this is their inaugural year for OAB, but they had a school parking lot where their handicap signs were only painted on the parking lot. So if it snowed, you couldn't see them. So they went to their administration, and they were able to secure five signs installed in the parking, gr- parking lot for the handicap-accessible parking spaces. So it's, it's an amazing, amazing program, and the, the things that the students identify and realize that are important to their communities, to their schools, and they attack them, and they do them with vigor. Now, how many schools have this program? 26 schools, and it's really it's about funding, quite frankly. It's, it's a nonprofit organization. We have our own fundraising drives. We, you know, we do what we can because it is solely funded by the donations that we get. And we believe me, we wish it could be in many more schools across the state. But we're, this year we were in 26. Uh, last year, I believe we were in 28. It's just a matter of what happens and where. But in the students volunteer for it, and each teacher drives each program in each school. They really do. We have teaching uh, curriculum where they're trained by John Fontanetta, who's an um, unbelievable administrator of the program. And then the teachers take it upon themselves. And the teachers love it as much as the students do. Well, and that's, that's what I like is that it's the students that, that volunteer to take part in this. It's aside from the state-mandated teaching, this is their wanting to, to be active and that they, they, they want to be part of this program. Absolutely. Look, we are grateful that the high school civics program was passed by law, which I was actually was involved with that, too. And we're grateful that the middle school program was passed, that students have to take it. But this program, Our American Voice, is more of the action, the doing of it, the really examining, drilling down, and solving problems through the civics process. 
We're speaking with Lissa Druss. She is the founder and CEO of Strategia Consulting, and uh, she is also a major factor behind the program Our American Voice. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pierce from the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And joining me on the phone is Lissa Druss. She is the founder and CEO of Strategic Consulting, and she is also a, a, a go-getter on this program called Our American Voice. This is an effort to get students involved, actively involved in in learning civics and, and partaking in civics to see uh, how productive that that change can be. And you know, Lisa, as as we kind of started the conversation, uh, this is kind of an example of maybe we need civics-minded people more than ever. It really is because, unfortunately, what we're seeing right now are just news accounts. And we're not seeing the behind the scenes of what is taking place, how decisions are being made, and what is, is through the legislative process, what's through the law enforcement process. You know, everyone's drinking from not one fire hose right now, but about 15. Yep. And across the board, you don't, no one really understands what's happening because we haven't seen this probably in 30 years. Uh, and so... This is the time to also take a step back and look at what happened and learn from it, especially in the schools. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, this is – and we had a call earlier about, you know, the, obviously you have politicians who talk change and, and, and want to make things change, uh, but change doesn't happen quickly. And – that's not to say that uh, you know when you have issues of institutional or systemic racism uh, in a system, uh, it shouldn't take it shouldn't take decades to to fix. No, it should. But there's also there's actually you know there's fundamental changes in policing that need to be fixed. And I'm only saying this from experience. The, the president of my company, Eric Kolchak, he was the captain and public information officer at Baltimore Police Department during the Freddie Gray Gray riots. And he's actually written a book about how law enforcement needs to take a separate, a new look at how they approach their job. It's not so much about enforcing the law. It's about building the relationships in the community. And that's a big fundamental part of what's going on right now and what he is observing. And he and I talk only about 15 times a day (laughs) about what's going on. And, and I, I work in law enforcement. I'm a consultant to federal, state, and local agencies. And it's across the board. It's, you know, there has to be a change. And what we're seeing right now is, is, is crazy. I, I'm, full disclosure, I'm in River Forest. 45 minutes ago, the CVS at Thatcher and North Avenue got looted. And all the businesses around here are shutting down because they're coming into the suburbs now. This also isn't about a protest on a man's death right now. This is just robbing stuff. Oh, yeah. It's obviously from some of the things that we're seeing going on in the suburbs uh, today that, yeah, this is, this is not, this is not an effort at protest. This is purely uh, to try and, to try and sow chaos. 
Absolutely. And that's the thing is, is what, what does chaos do? It, there's no, there's nothing good about chaos. Nothing whatsoever. You know, yeah, there's always a phrase, there's organized chaos. That it just, it, it, if we could just stop and look at what we're talking about and look at fundamental change, you know, and, and do it through the civic process. Well, yeah. And, and you, you touched on the point about the issue of uh, policing and the issue of trust. And it, it seems like every time there's a step forward on a trust aspect, you have two steps back because of the actions of old policing or bad policing. Um, and and that, that trust goes right out the window. Well, trust in any issue is a very hard word. And it doesn't have to be in policing. And we all know that. And to earn someone trust is a very hard thing to do, but once you do, it's incredibly valuable. And what is trust built on? Trust is built on relationships. And if you have those strong relationships, then out comes trust. And that's what Eric keeps talking about is law enforcement needs to build relationships in the communities so that there is that trust. And we don't see trust right now. But that, that, but that's something that's been talked about for a long time. Is, is that kind of trust deficit? And I mean, Look at CPD. How many police superintendents have we had that have come in and said, we're going to fix this, we're going to fix this, we're going to fix this, we're going to fix this? Community policing is out. Oh, community policing is in. Oh, right. wait, it's out. Oh, wait, it's back in again. <laughs> there has to be some, you know, stable course of action to instill change. And that stability has been lacking, uh, greatly lacking. Uh, and not, it's not just CPD. Uh, we have great sure. friends in CPD. It's all over. And until, unfortunately, something like this happened, maybe it was a wake-up call for people to understand that this, is, this has never happened before. Eric and I were talking again, uh, our 14th time today, <laughs> about how this is different from the Baltimore riots. He's like, this is, he goes, this is, not, this is not right. We know it's not right fundamentally. But this is different. This is spreading out across the entire country and outside of the cities. Well, and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's, it's certainly uh, George Floyd's death was was a catalyst, uh, was a was a flashpoint. But then you go from you know the the, the wake up call of racism as it still exists. And then it kind of jumps into, as I said, the mayor referred to it as, you know, the, the, the protests get hijacked and, and turns into uh, rioting and looting. And uh, I, I still think, you know, that takes away from the fundamental issue of what the protesters are trying to accomplish is, you know, to have everybody acknowledge that we still have very, very serious problems about race and talking about race in, and dealing with race in this society. Absolutely. And protests are a good thing. You raise awareness. If they, they serve a purpose. When you are raising awareness of the issue, you're building a coalition, just like we do in politics or in issue-driven management. You build a coalition, you're stronger, strengthen numbers, and that's how you affect change. And a protest is a way of building a coalition. And that's a good thing. But when a protest turns into stupidity, that's when we just got to buckle down, lock your doors, and 
wait for this to ride out. Well, as you so well know, and this, this, you know, the political axiom from for candidates as well as for issues is to grow support, is to broaden support, is to be able to form those kind of relationships and coalitions uh, to to attract support and and uh, advance an issue or advance a candidate. You you can't do it by lessening support absolutely absolutely and you also can't do it you don't do it by way of looting a store and running out with a couple pairs of shoes either um let's go let's go back to our american voice here for uh, for a minute here and um so you had obviously the the covid uh (laughs) issue which you know because so much of that is like going to springfield is the face-to-face uh, meeting with these these politicians and the fact that you know these uh, students are actually learning how things get done um that's i've always said too is you know the the stronger element of civics as it relates to springfield i think is very important because it truly every all the powers of everything kind of flow from springfield uh but You'd, you'd, it's it's not quite the same of uh, doing it by Zoom or uh, not having the chance to go to Springfield and actually, you know, see some of the some of the history there. And it is a gorgeous building. Um, but is the program? You know, we don't know what school is going to be like next year. Um, it's, so I suppose in a way, it's good to have had this experience to know how to do the program. If again, if you have to do it this way. Uh, Yes, well, you bring up a good point because the the program did get derailed, you know, come March. And most of the schools finished their work via Zoom and via virtual learning like like every other classroom. And it's also funny when you, just a second ago, you talked about meeting their elected officials. Uh, During the Zoom chat with Representative Demmer, he asked if any of the students were interested in ever running for office. And two girls, ironically both named Ava, said yes, they were both interested in running for office. And, you know, they wanted to be, bring people together and respect different opinions and, they, and having civil conditions with people. And th- just to hear those words coming from middle school students in the conversation with Representative Demmer, it was just... It, it, it puts a smile on your face, and you think, okay, there is hope. I was just you know, going to say, can, um, can, can we elect them and rush them to Springfield or, or Washington <laughs> exactly. quickly? Um, exactly. And, and, I mean, and that's why I agree with you, is the earlier the age to do this, the better, because then it becomes kind of um, ingrained and informed in how they how these students act, look, and view government, um, and not with the more jaundiced, cynical eye of, of uh, you know, uh, that's just politics. What do you expect kind of thing? Um, right. And, and, it's, and middle school is still at that impressionable age. It really is. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm the chairman of the Jared Payton Foundation, and JP goes and talks to middle school students because we can still, they listen, and they are impressionable. And these and students who are hungry to learn civics, they're going to be something. They really are. Well, I was going to say, and so how long has the program been going? Uh, we are on our ninth year. 
So still a little too early to see the products of, of, of your labor here. You know, there's been there's been a couple of variations, changes. Obviously, the program's evolved over the years. There are some students that we're still in, in contact with. None of them are of electable age yet. <laughs> right. You know, but it's just to, I've seen them year and year and year. And you just know that this program has made a difference in them, whether they become an elected official or not. Maybe they work in government affairs like me and not be an elected official, or maybe they are just more civic-minded and civic-conscious, or maybe they volunteer more. Whatever the case may be, you see these students in the program. You see their eyes light up. You see them meeting elected officials. You see them working on these programs. You know they're making a difference, or, or and they are going to make a difference in the rest of their lives. Yeah, and as you say, it's not just about being a politician or running for office. It's about the whole uh, gamut of of occupations as it were that that can help influence public policy and you know Absolutely. that's a that's a that's Absolutely. a that's a very significant factor uh, uh how can people learn more about uh, our american voice uh they can go to ouramericanvoice.org ouramericanvoice.org it's a fantastic program that Sheila Smith started years ago with civic minded Sheila Smith and it is just Whatever anyone could do, any anyone could donate, suggest any ideas, anything upon anything. The McCormick Foundation has been a big sponsor over the years. We've gotten funding from the Library of Congress, but it's it's really the dollars and cents that we raise that help fund these kids to pay for the stipends for the teachers, to get them to go to Springfield, to get them to learn, and it's it's just a, an unbelievable pleasure to do zone defense in the Springfield Capitol with 200 students <laughs> one day every year. <laughs> it's my favorite day of the year. Well, it, it, it's got to be. It's got to be. I mean, I, I, can, I can see the smile on your face already. Lisa Dress. I have, I, have, I have one quick, quick story. Last year we were in Senator Bill Brady's office, um, and Leader Brady asked one of the students, do you, anyone want to be elected? And this little girl goes, no, I want to do what she does. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tra- training, training them all. Lisa Dress, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Rick.